This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Hello and welcome. You've obviously heard there's a podcast on. And Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock. Ball by Frank here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores. Thomas back healing for Richardson. Oh, Guns lost it. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh he No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I am Chris Gold. Joining me here for episode five is Josh Widdicombe. Hello. And the gaffer, <laughs> Michael Marden. Hello. Here we go. I'm very excited. This one's been sitting around for a while, but it is one of my favourites that we've... Um, we've ever recorded in our history of five <laughs> in so, our long history in our long history it's top three I'm going to yeah. say <laughs> um, we don't need so, should we just get we got so much good correspondence should we just get into that let's do it let's do it you've got mail oh boy this is the highlight of my week yeah and mine I'm genuinely excited about reading these things. <laughs> people at home this is the first time Chris and Michael have heard any of yeah, I stay away from the inbox and it's hard work right from Duncan Williams I was just listening to the story of F and a Koku and the Drifter oh, thief no. if you haven't heard that listen back and was reminded of my very own candy based story from my youth it must have been the summer holidays and I would have been about 10 years old I was attending a football skills fun week at my local sports centre and this had the promise of a special guest on the Thursday when Thursday came, turned out that that special guest was Paul Parker. <laughs> right, here we go. During the lunch break, myself and a friend were standing at the vending machine to get a chocolate bar. The machine jammed and we had a double blur of losing our money and having no chocolate. Step forward, Paul Parker, oh, good. who was behind us in the queue. He started aggressively shaking the machine, trying to get the free chocolate bars. He shook <laughs> it so much that he set the alarm off. <laughs> On hearing the alarm, 
Paul let go of the machine. Seconds later, an angry sports center employee turned up, came up to us and started telling us off for shaking the machine, lecturing us how it was a form of theft if we shook any chocolates free. Paul Parker said nothing. <laughs> and left shot? the blame on two ten-year-olds. <laughs> oh my God. I could only assume that he didn't want to tarnish his career. Once the employee left us, Paul simply said to us, "Let's get back to the football." <laughs> oh, brilliant. Do you know, think he didn't want to get in trouble in case Alex Ferguson found yeah, out? Yeah, Ferguson's very oh, tight. We've had a call. <laughs> Oh, it's an amazing story. Um, obviously, all of that is alleged. All, all of the stuff is alleged. Yeah. You can't prove any of it. Don't, Duncan Williams. Do you want another one? Yes, please. Oh, this is an update. Jack Brenton on Matthew Letitia, uh once of this parish. My dad worked for a telecoms company, and his workmate was after going to fit a telephone line one day. He turned up at the house, and Letitia lived there. The guy started working, and Matt asks him if he fancies a coffee. The guy accepts Matt's kind offer and gets to work. 45 minutes later, the guy starts to wonder where his coffee and Matt are. Then, after an hour, Matt returns to the house, having driven to a coffee shop and bought a couple of takeouts, as he didn't know where the coffee was in his kitchen. <laughs> what a lovely bloke! He's such a nice man! I mean, or, he says that. I mean, he's, he's gone to the McDonald's drive-thru. Yeah, 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 there's yeah. definitely two McMuffins there, isn't there? Do we want one more before we get into yeah, the Yeah, one more, yeah. one more. Okay. I believe we have to mention that we've had another email that mentions F and a Coke. <laughs> no, oh no. Chris Walker. I was a wide-eyed 11-year-old in 93-94 and the club I played for had a few lads who played in the Wimbledon School of Excellence. Because of this, my team got the chance to be ball boys for a few games. Newcastle and the Coca-Cola Cup, Sheffield United in the league. Apart from having a chat with the photographers and having free reign of the tea urn at half-time, it was memorable because each match... We were warned not to approach Vinnie Jones, Cole Lieburn and Ephra Coco at the end of each half because they would still be pumped up <laughs> <laughs> and could elbow you in the face. What? <laughs> what? They can't distinguish a ball boy once they're in the heat of battle. You can see Vinnie Jones, but I would never have had Cole Lieburn. <laughs> or Ephra Coco. Well, we know Ephra Coco's got previous. I mean, he's coming across like a really reckless individual. <laughs> Maybe he was worried the ball boys would be going for his drifter. <laughs> so also, as part of the correspondence, last week, we set up the Phil Thompson directory. Chris, you have been curating them for us. Yes, we have. Here is the Phil Thompson directory. Hello, I'm Phil Thompson. I know all about your neighbourhood. It's all in your Phil Thompson local directory. Need a plumber? Ask Phil Thompson. In your Phil Thompson Local Directory, nothing's more than a few miles away. So, for the local answer, ask Phil Thompson. Right, Josh, I don't know if you've ever found yourself in the Dutch city of Delft. No. <laughs> wanting some pancakes. Uh, no. But well, I'm... I can recommend you a pancake house run by Ken Moncow. Oh, yes, Hello. Please. Yeah. Wow. Yes, please. For the local answer, ask Phil Thompson. Now, if you're moving... Yeah, we'll yes, just, please. Yeah, I might be in a few months. Yeah, exactly. Who should I hire? Well, if you're looking to get a survey done, may I recommend oh, no, I've to got you? my survey booked. Oh, well. If, it, if you're unhappy it. with it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if the evaluation has come in wrong, which it often does. <laughs> yeah, it often does. Particularly <laughs> in London. May I recommend to you Southampton and West Ham legend 
Ian Dowie, who is yes, available. Please. He's the regional sales manager at Go to Surveys. Now, I know this for a fact because I've got Ian Dowie's number on my phone and he came up as a LinkedIn suggested recommendation. Oh, wow. But Amazing. I couldn't believe it was the same Ian Dowie. But we've had, <laughs> it's been verified by correspondence. Wow. But if Ian Dowie's a regional sales manager at Go to Surveys, so he's doing that in the week and he's working at Sky on. Saturdays, oh, he's yeah. a busy man. Yeah, I thought so he Mrs. Was... Dowie has to put up with just Sundays off, I reckon. Do you I think thought he had... was still in the game. Like, yeah, I'm amazed yeah. that he's got maybe, like, a day job. Maybe, because he's the one that's sent to the grounds like Chris Kamara, right? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, like, doubles up. <laughs> <laughs> have you got... Have Is you he got, surveying these grounds? Because I've got two properties up in Hull. I need to serve And also, like, I have a question about that. Like, at what level does he go into that type of job? <laughs> Yeah. Are there transferable skills as a football manager that make you good at surveying? Do you go to the, go in at the top because you're Ian Dowie? Yeah. Or did he have yeah. to start at sort of researcher level? <laughs> also, if the doorbell rings, you open the door, it's Ian Dowie. I'm going, where's the cameras? Yeah. Like, this is obviously... There's no, a, this is a, this is a me, joke. But I presume you'd, you'd get the email and you'd think... This guy's got one of those comedy email addresses he hasn't changed since the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> For the local answer... Ask Phil Thompson. Have you got any more? Yes, we have. If you're on the lookout for uh, doorman slash bouncer services in Durham. <laughs> Not so much, but I'll, I'll <laughs> You never know. You never know. May I recommend to you Mike Hooper, former goalkeeper. <laughs> oh, he has yes, since retired. He's working at doorman in the bars and clubs of Durham. Apparently, he refuses all inquiries about his footballing career and refuses to do any kind of interview. And also, he will ask for ID if he's suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> For the local answer, ask Phil Thompson. So thank you for all that amazing feedback. That's uh, Harry Herbert and a few others, Matthew Kemp and also Darren Blackburn. Excellent name. Right, thank you for all your correspondence. We've had so much. Please keep it coming. Hello at quicklykevin.com. Now we should get into the main bit of the podcast. Basically, this is us with the brilliant comedian Tom Crane. We watched the uh, documentary The Impossible Job about Graham Taylor. So... Uh and we should just say, we recorded this episode, obviously, before the terribly sad news that Graham Taylor had uh, passed away. We recorded it before Christmas. But we kind of wrestled with the notion of putting it out, whether we should or not. But I think, on reflection, it's a really nice portrait of Graham Taylor. And I think he yeah, comes out of this really, really well. great football manager and man. And so, if anything, I think our interpretation of this documentary is more authentic for the fact we recorded it before yes. he died. And so for that reason, we decided we would put it out. So bear that in mind, but we think before it's Before quite... you complain. Yeah, <laughs> before you complain. That's the disclaimer. Let's get into it. Tom Crane talking Graham Taylor, The Impossible Job. Go left! Hit left! Hit left over the top! Back now! Left, demand it! Tell him left! We are joined today by Tom Crane. Hello. Hello. Comedian. Uh, yes. Good. Of sorts. <laughs> it's very clear that. No there was a moment there where people were thinking. It's often, you know, a, a slight debate over that, but uh, yeah, technically, yes, a comedian. Um, we're going to talk today about the um, the impossible job, mm -hmm. the documentary about Graham Taylor's last two years as England manager. Yep. And so what we've done is we've all watched it separately, and we're just going to talk through the documentary. Yeah. Minute um, by minute. Before that, <laughs> it's nice to have some settling questions to get to know you. Yeah. Yes. 
course, of course. Did you have any favourite CFAX pages, football-related, <laughs> in the 90s? Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. I, well, I didn't have a TV till I was 15, so I used to read CFAX at my f- next-door neighbour Miles's house. Uh, we would sit there together and we were football-obsessed, but I was yeah. um, all about the transfer rumours. That was my, oh, yeah. my big one. I, 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 kinda, I prefer a, a rumour to a confirmed transfer. <laughs> I, I prefer a transfer rumour to a match. I'm not really interested in match reports. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, no interest. Yeah. Not really interested at all. I would prefer the, the gossip. Yeah. The what to the fact. Well, that's exactly it. Because, like, confirmed rumours, players hit the level of club you kind of expect in general. Of course, you get, like, Ravinelli and Middlesbrough and stuff like that in general. But with rumours, there's that hope that Viali would go yeah. to Bradford or wherever yeah, it yeah. to be. There was that kind of James Richardson pink tape paper sort of feeling yeah. this could happen. Yes. Most fantastical rumour you can recall? What would that be? Rivaldo um, for, to Spurs for me. I remember hearing that and the white fear that that could happen. <laughs> like, really does. And everyone in school was talking about it and I just remember, please God, yeah. don't let that happen. Well, the one I was, because I, was, I, I used to follow Villa when I was a kid, my, the one I, I was obsessed with Andy Hinchcliffe. Because, <laughs> like, there was, there was this, a dreamer. Do you remember this period in, like, uh, 90s football where seemingly nobody had a left foot? Yeah. The whole of Britain could whip in a right yeah. wing cross. <laughs> <laughs> like, but there was, like, there was maybe three or four people People who were able Graham to Lasso. Graham Lasso and Steve Hinsworth. Guppy, yes. who was a player who wasn't actually that good, but people treated like he was God, yeah. basically, because he had a left foot. Well, he's decent, but he wasn't, you know, yeah. a world beater. But because of this, Andy, Andy Hinchcliffe was the one that I... We, we eventually got David Unsworth for a week... Oh, yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. He from us, again. yeah, from West Ham, yeah. And I was quite excited. Because his wife didn't realise how far Birmingham was from London. <laughs> so, where did he go? Everton to Villa? Yeah, he went. West Ham to Villa, mm. and then uh, then Villa to Everton, I think it was. Exactly. Um, actually, he wanted to move to Liverpool, and his wife thought it, Birmingham was really close to Liverpool, so it was oh, slightly right. different. But yeah. yeah, his wife really stitched that. Imagine David Unsworth going to the. Who would he manage to Brian Little or whoever? Oh my god. Going, listen. How many days in wife. as well? Well, I suppose yeah. just after you've driven to training for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> you can, I mean, this has taken me seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to see the kids this evening. Um, but, um, yeah. Have you ever met a 90s footballer? I have indeed. Yeah. I've uh, met. You'd like this, Chris, an ex-hammer. Oh, yeah? I've met Don Hutchinson. Oh, yeah? What, what I contacts? did a uh, talk sport show with him, and oh. he was on with me, and I talked to him about how he was uh, a cheap buy on Championship Manager, and he could play him behind the striker, which is kind of a key role on yeah, Champ yeah. Manager. Basically, you're, you, Tonton, Zola, Makuka, all these sort of players, he had a attacking midfielder behind the striker, he was sorted, and I, yeah. I talked to him about that. And how did he take it? Uh, I think he was, he was quite touched that I'd, I'd bought him, but then slightly probably offended he was cheap. He <laughs> 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 was blessing. I, I asked, went to the hairdresser, Asked for a haircut like Don Hutchinson. Remember, he had a Did quite you? short with a little front flicked up. Really? Like he, was on the front. he was a real terrible photo of Don Hutchinson. I think I may have had a Hammers magazine, yeah. And well, I said, Can I have like, short Amazing. with the front flicked up? Did you ever copy a. Did you ever want a footballer's hair? What there was I a period ha- when yeah. a lot of people, not me included, went with the Gaza yeah. um, dreadlocks. The pro- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The peroxide. Yeah. yeah, that was awful. No, I, I didn't really. I, I was kind of. I wasn't really allowed anything inventive hair-wise my mum would take me to the barbers and would sit in the corner on a leather chair with a picture of Steve Bruce with a picture of Steve Bruce yeah it's like it's not Steve Bruce that's Claire you're going to look like a centre-back okay like a a, a centre-back who's lost a love of life that's what you're going to look like but yeah not not an option Um, it'd be interesting to hear for listeners if you ever taken uh, a footballer's picture to a hairdresser and said can I have a haircut like this and uh, obviously the more mediocre the footballer the better well I did of course uh, when I was about I was 18 first ever haircut I was allowed to have I took Tariba West uh, <laughs> which I deeply regret still pretty sure. um, so you, you were I know for a fact you were good at football growing up but 
What's kind of interesting is the different rules or games you play, because obviously you wouldn't play 11 aside, generally. Yeah, yeah. So with friends, what were the kind of... Uh, the well, go-to games in Bath. Well, in Bath, which is, uh, of course, a very gritty place to grow up, we played... Um, I'm sure you played it as well. Head Follies Beats was a big one. Right. Never. Never. I've never ah, that Well, this life. was yeah. uh, tantamount to... But sort of thing, game you might play in prison. It was some <laughs> kind of initiation <laughs> thing where you'd want to join a gang for protection for the next five years. Basically, it was a game where you'd have one goalie, and after the third goal was scored in succession, which had to be scored by a header or a volley, whoever the goalie would, was would get a punch from every other player. Uh, and then it would build so up as level. You'd have beats was the first level and then tunnel beats which is where people would spread their legs and you'd crawl between their legs and they'd hit you from above oh my word this is crazy it's like a crazy game we had a version of headers and volleys called donkey's arse (laughs) (laughs) did you does this not come up? Yeah, so what happened there? So it's headers and volleys. I think you've all got, say, ten lives, maybe. And okay. you lose a life when a goal is scored against you when you're in goal. Yes. And so the first person to lose all their lives... Will be that... sat on by a donkey. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> Oh, actually, uh, the first person to lose all their lives gets the one final extra life donkey's chance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you lost, there was a pre-ascribed um, spot, mm. usually halfway between the maybe edge of the six-yard box and penalty spot depending oh, I, see on where this, I see where this is going and you'd, you'd have to lean over on the goal line yes and everyone would have one shot and they'd get another shot if they managed to hit you on the arse there was a slight problem with it <laughs> you really enjoyed that feeling <laughs> I've never felt so alive oh no I've lost again yeah <laughs> um, the, being hit on the arse wasn't that bad yes but being hit on the back of the legs really hurt uh, that's a stinger isn't it yeah <laughs> that's the so, one on a cold day yeah, especially yeah exactly <laughs> the other weird thing about my school was my uh, this is quite weird when I played primary school football I used to play sweeper which is quite weird no. I didn't in the playground my so... PE teacher clearly felt that he could have made it as a so we were 11 aside 11 aside yeah and I, I played sweeper so I was like the Matthias Sammer role yeah 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 so mm. you'd be playing other primary you, schools would you be dribbling it out of defence uh, I would normally play balls long look for the fast man that sort of thing and uh, we were spraying it around <laughs> like Franz <laughs> Beckenbauer I really was yeah yeah, yeah. Very, uh, yeah have you ever watched a primary school game of football in adulthood like I've no. seen one like like <laughs> re- relatively Definitely recently not. my friends put a video on Facebook of these kid playing uh, primary school football the standard is so bad oh yeah really? well, they're, positional they're all just running around but the, so ball, but that, the reason is to be a sweeper but, but the ball yeah. goes, because the ball goes up, goes up to your knee basically <laughs> doesn't it height wise the physics it makes it much harder to caress it in the way you'd hope <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah that, I used to, used to play sweeper that was my weird little thing yeah. you've, you've brought along your favourite 90s clips I have indeed do you um, want to queue up the first one then yeah well Aston Villa in the 90s the team that I love that's who I would go up occasionally from Bath with family friends to watch Villa maybe four or five times a season Sasa Kerchik Mark Draper all these people are my absolute heroes Staunton yeah. yeah. Who else was in there? There was uh, Paul McGrath, Ricky Schumacher, sometimes Southgate. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. see them. We'll see them all. And what we'll find out here is what they like to eat. This is a clip from like 94, I think it was 95, uh, of them talking about what they would eat. I'm not a fussy eater. I mean, I, I'll eat anything really. If I go home and my wife's been out all day or is busy and, and like, fine, I'll have fish and chips. Doesn't worry me at all. I don't have to have pastas night before games. I'm sure, you know, Paul Barron at the ground will be... It'll be uh, cursing to hear, me, to, to hear me say this but I don't you know I, I have what I want to have favourite food pasta Chinese chips <laughs> uh, <doner> kebabs curries <laughs> I'll eat anything but uh, at the moment we're on a bit of a health kick so uh, fish and chips I'd say was a uh, favourite or uh, doner kebab and chips that'd be my favourite 
Um, spaghetti bolognese. That's my favourite food. <laughs> <laughs> the older you get, I think the more difficult it is to, to, to conform to all the, the newer kind of regime of, of, of diets and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I, I laugh at Alan Evans and John Gregory and, and Paul Barron. They're all sitting there eating uh, broccoli and, and pasta and stuff like this, you know, and yet when they were playing, I can imagine them going into a canteen after after training and it'll be uh, egg and chips and uh, you know a bit of bacon and a mug of tea should we go through those <laughs> well should we just discuss Andy Townsend's absolute distaste for any modern healthy eating <laughs> at all Andy Townsend's first answer contains both bad eating and mild chauvinism <laughs> <laughs> so say, if the wife's out I'll eat fish and chips <laughs> I think the, the, football, the footballers of Aston Villa have had enough of food experts. Yeah, I love, yeah. yeah we're like Paul Barron at the ground. Exactly. As if the idea that not eating fish and chips regularly is some kind of like <laughs> modern. That's not well, going to mean shit. What I like is everyone else has got concise answers, whereas Andy Townsend's really seen this as his kind of soapbox moment. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's really still thinking through his, his answers. <laughs> like, like it's an interview for the England job or something. Or the Ireland job. The case. one after that is Tommy Johnson, who talks yeah. about like in a kebab or some beer. Yeah. 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 Laughs to a mate off um, camera. Um, Mark Draper says, I eat spaghetti bolognese and then howls with laughter it. like it's the funniest <laughs> thing, it. anything that has ever happened. Which is, it's a strange shaped food, so if you think about it, <laughs> it's weird. It's, 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 it's like shoelaces. Shall we carry on? Yeah. Please do. I have to say, probably one of Sarah's um, pasta dishes that she does for me now. I have to say that because I won't get any tonight. <laughs> Favourite food's got to be um, chicken and pasta. Italian football is something that, you know, with the pasta and, and being a footballer, you have to eat that pasta thing <laughs> that you get used to. Uh, but I enjoy Italian as well, but if I have a choice, I'll, um, I'll have Chinese every day of the week if I could. I just Sorry. stop and discuss quite how much they think pasta is so important. <laughs> I'm like, was there a, I missed this period in the mid-90s where, yeah. where pasta was suddenly well, considered the greatest. Vi- Villa was sponsored by Dolmio at that point. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to shove it into conversation. I don't think anything going well. I think I played well. I mean, I'm a bit more pasta would give me. I would have got up and down the flank a bit better, maybe. That's the thing about pasta. You can never, you know, never have too much. I love the idea, because obviously t- Italian football was very dominant in the 90s. Yeah. And I love the idea that at Villa they've pinpointed pasta as it's the a reason. <laughs> yeah, completely. If, if now they'd be, they're at Villa, they're going. We need more paella because yeah, that Spanish exactly. league is. <laughs> it's not about defenders who can pass the ball and move it and work as a unit. No, no, it's about the fact they keep eating pasta. That's why uh, we've been watching Maldini and we think it's probably the pasta that's doing it. Yes, he can move with this the ball. Shall we watch the final minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I reckon pasta. Maybe have a pizza or something that would be on a Sunday. I let my body sort of recuperate and to rest and to sort of change the system around. But for the six days a week, um, or even seven days a week, I mean, I'll have, a, like I said, a, a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. Can we just point out here, this is Bosnich talking about what he puts into his body. <laughs> <laughs> but also, sorry, I, we will get through this, but I might have misunderstood, but he talks about on a Sunday he'll have a pizza, but for six days a week he'll have something like a low-fat pizza. <laughs> It's that Italian food again, John. Yeah. It really is. It's all the rest. Yeah, what is low fat pizza? It's just cheese. <laughs> just a thin layer of cheese. Okay, well, let's go to the end. Uh, I like Italian food, and uh, that'd be my first, probably Chinese second. Chinese, the favourite food, pasta, burgers, and chips. Arajnici. Have they not translated <laughs> Savo Milosevic? I don't know how many Villa fans in this period spoke Serbian. <laughs> what 
What's he saying? <laughs> no idea. Leave it in. Arrogant view. They have their fan, their fan base. They'll be fine. They'll work out. <laughs> How have they asked the question? <laughs> oh god. Right. Shall we get into the impossible job? Let's do that. Yeah. Shall we discuss our how we felt watching it? Yeah. first yeah so I found it a lot more upsetting and unsettling than I thought I was going to I yeah. know I thought this is going to be hilarious yeah. and I when it got to the England Holland match at the end <laughs> I felt physically sick yeah, yeah. with kind of nerves Completely. knowing what was to come it's weird that feeling like when you're watching documentaries and you still think we might actually make it to, <laughs> we hit know. the post twice yeah it's weird you, you, you still feel sort of nervous it's very strange yeah, yeah I mean I, I found it almost quite a Sad yeah. experience yeah. watching it, really. I mean, we thought this would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you watch it back. An hour long documentary about a man losing his job. <laughs> <laughs> How, what are your feelings like towards Taylor? Because I came out of it thinking, it totally changed my mind, like forensically watching that. You come out of it thinking he's such a nice guy, yeah. and what Lovely he went bloke. through was awful. The, the documentary starts with him sat with his wife eating breakfast and it's yeah. like a really sweet and scene and he's clearly just a really decent kind guy that's yeah. quite a sad opening scene he's also yeah. Graham Taylor lives in a normal house yes completely there's an amazing scene in it where Graham Taylor is driving home Laurie McManamy <laughs> In their car. Yeah, in their, in their car. <laughs> and it's like, I love the idea of asking for petrol money. <laughs> Completely. I don't know where they lived near each other. I don't know where they lived. But, like, yeah. the thought that Taylor's gone, oh, we're playing Norway tonight. Do you want me to knock for you at, like... <laughs> Quarter yeah. past seven, do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's such a, a piece about that period of football. It's, it would, just wouldn't happen now. It's kind of the yeah. way they are. and Yeah, it's fascinating. So it begins, as we said, Graham Taylor's going through his post. It, he's been sacked at this point, mm-hmm. and he's going, it's nice now, the letters I get... They're just saying thank you. What happened to you was horrible. Does that suggest that he was getting abusive letters to his house? Yeah. Well, I don't know how he was getting letters at all. (laughs) Right, yes, okay. But then it begins England won, Norway won, and the crowd are shouting, We want Taylor out. And you think, Hodgson never had that. No, yeah. as bad as he was, bad and awful as he was, and that's at the start of this this group. But they'd yeah. just gone out of the group stage of Euro '92. Yeah. yeah, what I'd be interested in finding out would be: Did they, when they agreed to this documentary, did Graham Taylor presume it'd be a pretty straightforward documentary about easy qualification for the World Cup? That is exactly what he thought. I read an interview today. And really? he said he was so cocksure that England would be qualified. It'd be an interesting insight into the pressures of management from the English press. And that he really? thought it'd be a documentary about, you know, how the press put that pressure on you as the England manager. He never thought for a second the camera would kind of turn on him and his performance oh, and his role. But as you see as the documentary unfolds, it yep. does become about him. Yes. And one of my favourite things about the documentary is when you get the little snatches of the footballers talking. There's some hilarious moments. One is early in the documentary, you hear Paul Gascoigne complaining. They come in at half time, it's yep. gone badly. And he says, the ball is shit (laughs) (laughs) and I I've never ever thought the ball was a variable yes yeah 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 maybe when you're in primary school and you're playing with a tennis court yeah 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 Yeah, Yeah. or like if you couldn't pump it up but at an international level yeah Wembley that also then 
we forget that there was a point when there was only one ball. Right, in Europe, which was uh, passed <laughs> around. Do you remember that? Huge delays between games. So that's why the ball was shit, because it was just overused. Um, no, there was only one ball at a match. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the ball was shit, you were stuck with it. <laughs> you were stuck with it. So what happened if it went over the stadium into a bush with the oh, game with They the game had end? spare balls then, but they oh, right, didn't okay. have the kind of rotating Yeah, yeah. There was usually a man with a bag in the tunnel, and they'd yeah, yeah, like, yeah. look at him, and yeah. he'd come out of, from the shadows, begrudgingly give all his precious <laughs> Away. Um, four minutes 02, there's a yep. clip here. They're going to get at all of us, aren't they, unless we score goals. So it's as simple as that. People's judgment will all be based on how many goals we score. They'll not look at how you play. How early in the documentary do you reckon he feels this is going badly? Because um, there's there's a point later on where you think you need to realise that this isn't going well. Which and I think that point is when we go two nil down to Norway. Yeah. And he turns to Phil Neal or Laurie McMenemy. Fifteen minutes to go, and he says, "This is a test." Yeah. <laughs> And Phil Neal yeah. looks back at him and goes, yes, this is a real test. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You go, yeah you're 2-0 down. This isn't a t- you're going to lose. It's obvious you're going to lose. You're about to bring on Nigel Clough. Phil Neal is, uh, is useless throughout. Yeah. Uh, entirely. Yeah. He's just an echo. That's that's well, all, all he offers. Yeah, and that, that really comes across in this clip because he just kind of blindly agrees with him. And it's interesting because Ken McGill, the guy who made the documentary, said his one big regret was that it destroyed Phil Neal's managerial career. Really? Really? Yeah, he right. He I think he had one job afterwards, Man City, and he said he, like the way it was presented, like, Phil Neal wasn't this kind of yes man that he's presented as. But I mean, if you just take this documentary, so, so it is a whitewash. Yeah, so it's Phil Neal doing great stuff that hasn't made the edit, I suppose. No, <laughs> but that's a fair point because no one wants to watch a documentary with hours of footage of Phil Neal being yeah. really good. Well, after Graham Taylor says this is a test, Phil says no, we're, we're clearly going to lose. <laughs> what are you talking about? But they, they snip that out. He said, what you want to do is play wing backs. When you get this guy in front, a bit more pass and move, ticky. What does that mean? Well, you'll find out in about 10 years' time. But uh, <laughs> they took all that out. Uh, four minutes 20. Yeah. This Graham is, Taylor. This clip, for me, is the bit where you go, Graham Taylor is a great, I noble man. That's exactly yeah. it, yeah. Hey. Hey, you're talking about another human being, so just watch your language, all right? So that is when John Barnes is... Someone's, I think it's John Barnes. Yes, it is. Well, basically, the commentator's saying how he's never seen someone receive this level of abuse, basically, before. And yeah, then Graham around. Taylor <laughs> takes the time to turn around and say to the fans that, kind of, you know, this is a human being. Watch, watch your language. What a, a lovely thing to say. It's kind of like, yeah. you know... What I found interesting about that is how close the fans are. Yes. Unless it's one of the bench. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> There's a chance it's Phil Chris Woods. Phil Neal's wife. <laughs> Tell him, Phil. <laughs> yeah, entirely. But no, I know exactly what you mean. But you feel that most in the, the footage of the Norway game uh, later on in the documentary when they're playing in Norway, the managerial bench, is it, whatever you call it, the... Mm. Dugout. The dugout is what um, people with a command of language might call it. Uh, it's, it's, it's flat against the metal fence and people yeah. really over the top of him and the beauty's getting... Yeah. It, it's... it's, it's crazy there's no protection there's none of that kind of dotted line and it's a very very different well, time well Graham Taylor goes on to have form in this area because when, when he was at Wolves he attempted to perform a citizen's arrest on a fan who had no. spat at him uh, and he prompted for calls for closer crowd controls in the English game did he? because yeah, a manager citizen's of a team him in a citizen's arrest during a match during a match wow so that's, I mean, he that's was, I mean was he like was he chasing him like you know when a dog runs under the pitch <laughs> and like the referee tries to grab it was it like that were he running around 
around after the guy from up. <laughs> you know, five minutes. What's adult. interesting about that fact is the word attempted. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd love to know how the guy got away. Well, well, well. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that speaks volumes of what, what a nice guy. The fact yeah. that he's actually taken the time to, I don't know, he's just a decent human. Actually, seems to He seems to genuinely care for his players. Um, so England drew 2-2 two, two, two at home to Holland or Netherlands and then we go Poland away mm. and, and Taylor utters the phrase fuck me we are in trouble 1-1 <laughs> yeah. one, yeah. one, Poland away uh, and the wheels are kind of starting to come off a little yes. bit now like this isn't and there's the first moment where uh, you see Taylor really lose his composure on 14 minutes when he there's a really close shot of him just going fucking hell well I tell, I tell <laughs> yeah. you what they do really well in it there's two great kind of things one is they've chosen to frame on Taylor's face so tight when he's in the dugout that it really it's so expressive and you feel so claustrophobic with it and the other thing they do they do it a couple of times is England concede and you don't see it happen yes you just watch it through Graham Taylor's eyes entirely and you see the fans but over his shoulders like, yeah, the way he's yeah. going mad it's, it's like watching sort of like you know at the end of week roundup show on BT Sport <laughs> we can't show you anything <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 14 minutes 20 now we've done everything that we tell them not to do we've done everything that we tell you not to do so what's interesting about here is that just as, as Taylor's complaining that you can hear they're doing everything we told them not to do just in the background you can hear the deepest voice known to humanity Laurie McMenemy yeah. talking like incoherently and his role was assistant manager so Laurie McMenemy for so what's Phil, Phil Neal's role? I think he must have been a coach yeah, so when right. I looked at it researched it Laurie McMenemy was assistant so there's a few <clears> things about you can't understand what he's saying yeah. it's obviously yeah. a big one he doesn't appear to have any kind of relationship to Taylor or the players and yeah. he, he, he operates on a different dress code <laughs> like they're always he in tracksuits oh, yeah, he he's in suits the whole he's time he's always wearing oh, yeah. a kind of England one of those ones where you'd have the badge oh yes if I was a manager I would never ever wear a blazer with a club badge on it <laughs> no. that blows my mind yeah. they're from two different worlds yeah. one is on a football shirt no completely <laughs> do we have his, do we have his name and like his name, name across the back of his... on the back of the blazer <laughs> <laughs> yeah but men and me yeah, I, I I actually come out with not liking him because I feel like Taylor gets a lot of the, the criticism, Wait, but, you... and Neil gets Phil Neil gets a bit, but Laurie Mamanui just appears to be doing nothing. Yeah, it's... I mean, I think if, oh, it seems like Taylor's the only person with any ideas or any kind of. I mean, uh, they're complete yes men. There's nothing. Yeah, I mean, maybe they edited this out, but there's never like a heated discussion about what they should do. No, not at all. But what's interesting? So, uh, fourteen minutes fifty-five. Graham Taylor says it's made for Wrighty to come off the bench Wrighty comes off the bench equaliser and I think that's really sympathetic of the documentary makers towards Taylor because there's a few things in there where uh, Taylor says something and they cut to that thing happening Mm -hmm. so it really came across to me that that they they liked him him. I think they did and I I don't think you can like that Wrighty moment is quite weird because he's almost like speculating wildly (laughs) yeah as if he feels like there's a pre-written narrative I don't don't know if you know this but he actually um, said this is made for and then he inserted every name he did all 11 <laughs> just so they could cut him and make him look good in the edit I'd love it if they did the matches and then he went back and did pickups afterwards <laughs> um, so then we go Norway away I think this is when you know the game's up the 2 now because <laughs> the other thing I found bizarre is that England lose in Norway they draw at home to Norway they draw at home to Holland 
They draw in Poland as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get to the game with Holland yep. at the end, and they still only need a draw. <laughs> like, I presumed that we'd be out the running when we lost, when we could, we could take one point off Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. There were some weird results. I think Poland beat Norway, and so, they, so right. it was a slightly more of a level playing field. Like, there was a few teams doing as badly as us. Right. No okay. one was storming it. Yeah. It, it just feels like... It doesn't feel like we win very much. <laughs> so I find it odd that we then get into the position where we only need a point to qualify. Yes, completely. Um, the, the, moment, the moment with Nigel Clough coming on is a wonderful moment as well, isn't it? It's, it's, it's bizarre watching it back because I never remember Nigel Clough being that good. Well, what's quite what amusing is, is that he clearly doesn't understand what's going on Clough. So at uh, Clough. So he's given instructions. He's going, so I want you to get behind Gazza and kind of play him in, get him up front, get him behind the striker. And then Nigel's just going, so I go out left he goes no 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 no. you want to go <laughs> behind the... but he's got and even after you've told this a second time you can, the way he leaves the bench in the way that if I've got to cook a roast with my girlfriend and she's told me to go and deal with something and I don't know what temperature to put the oven on yeah. and I, she's I told me twice there. and I know I haven't got the information you... but I have to move and I have to yeah. make it look like I'm not an absolute <laughs> dimwit so I'm moving and I don't know have the information so it's got a bit I tell you how Taylor feels you know when you've ordered in a restaurant you think they've taken that wrong yeah. but yeah. I don't want to call them back but I know that I've mistakenly there ordered three sides of chips due to a, due to a mix up and rather than calling back I'm just going to just buy the chips yeah yeah because yeah. it's very too embarrassing it's, it's, it's a wonderful moment he just moves so awkwardly away yes. and then looking left and right yeah yeah so I'm left no 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 as I, as I was saying <laughs> please could you go back listen please <sighs> yeah so this is now like peak Taylor hatred is reaching a peak in July 1993 I think just after that game Peter Newman an independent candidate in a parliamentary by-election for Christchurch Dorset stood under the banner sack Graham Taylor did he he wanted to be a member of parliament for a political party whose right. sole aim was to sack the English manager I don't think also that's going to I, even if he did get into Parliament, I don't think he has the mandate. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I like the idea that he'd get in off the back of that. Yeah. And then he'd have some other mad policies, but they're all based on sports. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hendricks play left-handed. <laughs> so now, 26 minutes 50, he goes to Italy to this tell is what, this is a superb Platt that he's not going to be captain anymore. He's taken the captaincy off and given it to Chip Pearce. Yeah. Mad but that this was, could happen. Well, not that he's not that, that he's taking it off, it. but not only do they film it, but they film it with Platt and Taylor both sat on a bench mm. in the way that you'd film a kind of local news interview. Yes, and it's an insane situation where you know Platt's met up with Taylor, and then they've had to wait to have this discussion so yeah. that the cameras can set up. It's like it's like in um, a, walking around looking for a good location. It's like made in Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, it's like made in Chelsea. <laughs> do you think Platt knows? what's coming yeah. it's do you like, think Platt goes what's it about and Graham Taylor goes let's save this gold for the TV <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, Jerry yeah. Springer they remember Jerry Springer's like oh if your girlfriend says I want to go on Jerry Springer I will need to tell you something tell me now yeah. Yeah. Why, why, Taylor, why have you got the camera crew see, here I slightly took it in a different way I, I do see what you're saying but I was actually quite well you I, think that Taylor sat on a bench and the camera crew happened to be there I thought <laughs> David, Platt, David Platt happened to walk past um, <laughs> they couldn't believe it he knew he was. In, you know, he knew he was in Spain somewhere. But it, for me, I, I do agree with that. That it was weird. That the camera was there. But there was, I, there was also something really sweet, which also speaks once again to how nice he was. The fact that he bothered to travel across 
to Spain because that would never happen now. Like people wouldn't. Like, there's no way well, it, it would be a phone call at, at best. Really, yeah. so you have this clip of him alone on. But a, he a doesn't ch- have much to do. To be fair to Taylor, <laughs> like there's a That's, lot of downtime. Yeah, like, and so he doesn't have that much to you do. He might as well. He might as well. Clock a few more airmails. There's, there's no way that he's paid for his own plane ticket. No. No, no, no. <laughs> Do you think if I thought like if I, if you were David Platt there, the manager goes, "Oh, Graham Taylor's here to see you." It's a bit of you like, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Yeah, <laughs> well, I just kind of want to sit on my ass or like play yeah. computer games or whatever. Like, I don't want to go. Well, to I, I, presumably Taylor knew, told him he was coming. Yeah. But then, good point. once Taylor tells you he's coming, and you know you're the captain, yeah, and you know Stuart Pearce is returning from injury, it, you're going. Do I have to wait? 48 hours for Taylor to turn I mean, up to he's tell not going to tell him just to confirm you're still captain so <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a long way to travel but I just want to see your face the, look how happy you are there's <laughs> another weird moment in that match where Taylor then watches Platt playing what is clearly some kind of pre-season yes, friendly and becomes obsessed with one of the Sampdoria defenders yeah, and goes who's number two <laughs> doesn't help <laughs> who's mean, number two he's not English I, I, it's of no use that's Steve Bloggs from Bolton <laughs> so uh, yeah you can use him actually yeah he's a ball playing defender <laughs> you're lucky, lucky you are sir to me. Um, and he takes Laurie Mamenemi with him on this trip I think he's, oh, sat, he? he's sat beside him they, sp- they, sp- so, <laughs> they split petrol are they in a twin room Laurie's flying the plane <laughs> yeah, <Laurie was> <laughs> there's also quite a nice moment uh, at the end of the chat on the bench where he's told everybody he's not going to be captain he goes well now that's done we can go and play football with those kids now what? Yeah, and then it's they cut weird... to three kids sort of yeah. sat on a wall. Really? Yeah. So not only is David Platt being told he can't be Captain England, he's now not allowed to go back to his family and continue his holiday. He has to go play football with some children <laughs> he's never met. David Platt, can you forget that David Platt was, when he went abroad, he was probably the only success yeah. of mm. any of the. I, I don't think you can count Paul Gascoigne as a success, really, abroad. Danny Dicchio, he played. Yeah, 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 yeah. But David Platt, Sampdoria and Juventus, was absolutely. Or the other Amazing. way around. Great player. was brilliant in it. Yeah, really, really good player. Do you know why he was the best England player? Because he ate so much pasta, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we talk about now? The meeting with the FA. They yeah. go into the FA with the cameras, and Taylor's world's fallen apart. You know, they've just beaten Poland, but they've lost to Norway. They're fighting for their lives. And the FA board, are like, the average age, 100. <laughs> it's yeah. insane. To start with. It's incredible. It's like if you did a, a comedy sketch about. Yeah. What an FA meeting what is. What an FA meeting is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, entirely. Well, it's, like a, it's like a, you know, sort of a Dickens novel <laughs> when they have the people who are in charge of a workhouse. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. And they're all ancient and they're kind of, yeah. they will give you a bit of gruel if you do 15 hours <laughs> on the trot. It's kind of really weird, dusty old man. And he seems to just kind of, so he has to go and kind of answer to them about how his job's going. Yes. But also, what bothered me, when the first, they go to the Q&A, results are terrible. We're probably not going to qualify for the World Cup. First question: Paul Gascoigne's behaviour is not becoming of an England footballer. Yeah, what are you talking about his behaviour, you dusty old <laughs> yeah, crone? I know, incredible. Isn't it? Like, results, who gives a crap? Who gives a shit? Oh, he's got fucking wearing so a pair of rubber. Weird, yeah. t- he's wearing oh, a pair of rubber also, tits. Why is the same? Get on. <laughs> but also, they're all, they're all identical and have the same sort of opinion. And that's kind of that, that Gaza thing is interesting. It's kind of clearly that he isn't the sort of player that they are used they like. to. They, they don't, don't like. To. It. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, they like. Yeah, conformance is mad. So 
it, so anyway. then the next kind of next kind of big moment is the bit where he takes down Rob Shepard from Today newspaper. Oh yeah, yeah the press conference. Yeah. What's interesting about that is so Rob Shepard kind of asks quite a generic question, really. Yeah. But in a quite negative way, and then Taylor, what what I found interesting about this documentary is you often see those kind of locked off shots of a manager doing their press conference. Yeah. And you never see what's the other side. Yes. And when you watch this documentary and you see Taylor and then it kind of pans around, there's all these people. A few of them you recognise as younger versions of the people that sit on that weird (laughs) programme on Sky Sports on Sunday morning. Who's watching that, by the way? Yeah, Yeah, Sunday Sunday, It's not dissimilar to this. (laughs) I think we've got quite a big crossover, sadly. (laughs) But, like, just it feels tense that there's one of you and there's so many of them and you can see why he suddenly loses it. Yes. It's it's really passive-aggressive, that moment. Actually, I think that's the one moment of the documentary where Taylor comes out looking really bad because he kind of he'd beaten Rob Shepard with these questions but then he it he seemed going. Little, he kept going and Rob Shepard obviously he's bothered because he's like we're not going to qualify for the World Cup and Taylor's like smile Rob smile yeah. like, like, well, I think he him. gets laughs and yeah he, he does he gets laughs the and he's enjoying it yeah. and so he kind of keeps going because <laughs> it could, <laughs> do you think it was because like he knows as soon as he stops they're going to have to go and talk about England again yeah well it's kind of like I suppose it's a rare moment of positivity for him <laughs> in one of those meetings like, yeah I, I, I do think that is what it is it's kind of it's a moment of levity rather kind of rather than just being grilled about the fact that we've you know we're struggling as Norway or whatever but I didn't really see that as him coming across bad I think it's kind of it must be exhausting having the press constantly getting at you and kind of criticising your players always being pessimistic they still at that point had a chance well they only need a point like, it, was, it, was, well, it was still in their hands yeah, it was, yeah. exactly that's the, that's the crazy so I thing think there must be that feeling where you think I mean come on get behind the team I know that sounds like a rather sort of like cliched phrase but I imagine as a manager that must be frustrating where there's always an assumption it's going to go wrong you think mm. come on we're working hard yeah. show us a bit of support so we go to oh, Rotterdam I, just on that we're working hard so it's just brought up a moment that we haven't discussed which for me is one of the most insane moments of the documentary mm. which is he's doing a training ground drill <laughs> my favourite <laughs> bit of the documentary in which the drill seems to be just, they just knock a cross in and try and head it in <laughs> I don't know who's on the wing. I think Ian no, Wright yeah, sent yeah. him home. Yeah. The guy cross, crosses one in, it doesn't quite work. Mm. And he does it again, mm. and Taylor goes, better! <laughs> yeah. like, and you're going, he's not learning to cross. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's a difficult skill that he'll get right maybe yeah, 60 exactly. to 70% of the time. <laughs> yeah. But you're now, in, he's playing for England. Yes. Surely you're not trying to get him better at crossing yeah like it is what it is surely that's not what you're working on next keep it up it just seems insane you're right like that level of coaching it's like he's trying to calibrate a robot it's like no don't he was trying to do that the first time like he's not going to be oh Oh, no there's also an extended penalty shootout in that as well where he's kind of really he's like negging them (laughs) making jokes about the odds on people yeah Yeah. (laughs) which is kind of it's Um, it's kind of weird but I'm I'm fascinated by what happens in training because I've got no idea as a football fan. Um, do you know what's weird as well? That crossing bit, they're at Wembley, they're tra- practising their crosses and then towards the end of that segment, that Taylor, you just hear Taylor off camera go, cameras are here. Oh yeah. Oh, cameras oh, are yeah. here. And then there's like a crash zoom on these cameras. He's going, Rob, Rob, cameras <laughs> are here. <laughs> what? what? But I don't understand. Did he not know? Why were the cameramen there? Why yeah. So, yeah. so many It sounds like they've like broken that. in as well. Like they've found a hole in the fence. You know, like <laughs> World War Z when the 
make the zombies pile over the wall and eventually get into the, the walled town. <laughs> Another because theory of mine was like, uh, he's going cameras as it is. Is it like, because he's practicing crosses, they're like, they're just going to take pictures of a crossing. Yeah, so if, yeah. if the Dutch get wind of this, yeah. that's the, the, whole, the whole blueprint is up in flames. They're using the wings. Yeah. So we go to Rotterdam. It's in our hands. We need to draw. We can't lose, basically. I remember watching this. Did you watch this? I've watched the highlights today. I remember watching it at the time because it felt like a big game. I would have been, what, 10? Yes. But I had only seen World Cup 90 when I was 7. Okay. And the Euros. So I presumed we qualified for everything. (laughs) So it was quite a big thing that we were not going to do it. Yeah. And it's interesting that I never remembered that we didn't deserve to lose. Yes, I know. Well, the fact we hit the post twice, the fact that uh, Coman should have been sent sent off. off, Unbelievable. And then the free kick with the, the retake as well. It's like there's so many contributing factors that seem completely unfair watching yeah. it back. So the sending off is insane. Yes. Well, let's talk about this because actually that two minutes is the sliding doors moment for probably yeah. that entire decade of English well, what, football. Presu- presumably Graham Taylor would have gone to the World Cup. He would have been in charge at the Euros at 96 yeah. at home, presumably. Unless if, we'd had a disastrous group yeah. stage, but judging... But depending on what happened in that two this two-minute period yeah. where Platy goes through, and should we play the clip now okay. where the, the plot begins to unfold? That's it! So Platy there, he's hauled down by Kuman. Yeah. The referee gives the penalty to begin with. Yeah. He gives the penalty and then he changes his mind to a free kick. Yeah. And then Kuman gets away with a yellow I didn't card. That. He went penalty first, yeah. Barnmore goes penalty. And then he changes his mind and gives the free kick just outside the area. Absolutely and not incredible. only that, he gets a yellow card. And Taylor, he just can't believe what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like in that famous card, what what is happening here? What kind of thing is happening here? Yeah. It's a trap. Obviously, if I was a conspiracy theorist, you're like, how are this many decisions go? Well, oh, it's incredible, isn't it? The free take and free kick, the penalty and the yellow red card thing. Yeah, yeah, it is insane. But I'm not. I'm, I'm not that guy. Like that's not the case. Well, inter- yes. my card scores a goal in the first half that's disallowed for offside, oh, but yeah. it's not. So it's the, I think it's more incompetence. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but. I mean, it's so mad when you watch the highlights back. So when we get the free kick, I think Tony, Tony Dorigo takes who, it. who manages to take one of the worst free kicks I've ever seen <laughs> it's charged in down my life. at a it's distance of about five yards yeah. by a, a Dutch defender yeah. who yeah. runs out and hits it. And then remember the cam- like uh, Cameroon in uh, <laughs> no Zaire, uh, Zaire the guy it. that runs out. <laughs> yeah. no idea of the rules. It's not it a million a miles, like but. Um, yeah, there seems to be such a kind of a quick series of events there. It's I imagine when that when that incident happens, Platy gets hauled down. The referee yeah. goes penalty. He's thinking red card, one nil England. Yeah, yeah. And in that 
moment, the referee goes, no, you're a yellow card. And it's actually, no, it's not a penalty. It's a free kick. So his whole, and that's his job. That's his livelihood. Yeah. This is, it's so everything bizarre. gets flipped in a, like a 10 second. It's a horrible feeling. You know when you play FIFA and someone's throwing a goal and they knock it across to a spare striker and that, they've got an open goal to kick it in. <laughs> Are they sickness, I feel, when I see that. And this is actually real football. But Life. it's kind of, I, I feel like we should have won it. We hit the post twice. It clearly had these chances. And that is the nature of football. Is it really, it spins on a sixpence if the swerve of a ball a bump or whatever it happens to be a ricochet can completely change mm. it like that and that's what's so that's what's so unfair about it is the fact that, that well we it also could be get so the post different. at 1-0 as well yes, yes we did go. hit it twice and yeah. then they seem to score very quickly yeah. so, but, that was, but that was also an incredible Dutch side as well uh, like if you look at the players they had they had Overmars Burkamp although young Burkamp at the time turned out yeah. to be one of the greatest players that ever played the Premiership Overmars unbelievable then you've got a midfield of like De Boers De Boer Rijkaard Coman um, it's just it's so many good players in there. Yeah. Was we weren't playing a duff side. The, the weird uh, Brian Roy at left, <laughs> <which I kinda laughs> like, who must know Brian. someone. <laughs> I don't know where that's come from. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah. Do you think that's a good England team? Run me through the England team. So the England team there is David Seaman and goal, which is obviously fantastic. Tony Dorigo. Yeah, I mean, but he's not the worst. He's not. He's not look, the worst. Uh, the left of the three back for Holland they have Frank de Boer there's a difference there yeah. you can see that's the standard Adams, Pallister, Parker yep I mean Adams fantastic Lee, Lee Sharp I didn't know Lee Sharp had played in that game yeah. but he's still good at this at this point like 93 is probably the yeah. tail end of his like golden period yeah, yeah. Well, incredibly talented footballer what just... is interesting about that we've got this printed out here either whoever's made the pitch map has got the formation wrong or Carlton Plummer is playing on the wing <laughs> <laughs> well look at it I yeah. can't see unless they just think let Carlton, Carlton just move you know like how messy can go anyway <laughs> <laughs> the only difference is Carlton can't control where he goes <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then Platt and Ince I mean that's a great central midfield yeah. Yeah. It's um, a good team. It's mad to think that team would have gone to 94. They were the people we would have been cheering on. They probably got to the second song. round. Because there yeah. was also, in 94, they still had that thing which we had in the last Euros where, you know, the third places, a lot of them are going mm. through. Yeah. 44 minutes, 27. So this podcast is obviously named after a piece of Brian Moore commentary. Probably the yeah. most famous for us. But the second most famous one, I think, is this piece of commentary oh you're, about, you're about to hear now. He's going to flick one. He's going to flick one. And then Brian Moore... Nostradamus how can he see it how does he know I tell you it does look when you look at it when you know what's going to happen you're like David Seaman is really far to one side of that guy he's he's almost he's almost leaning on the post (laughs) (laughs) you know like when a corner's about to come in and the defender's leaning on the post (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um, but he's nowhere near it in the no. end. It's kind of it's a wonderful free kick. Yeah. And then we get the obviously the saddest bit of the documentary. Yeah. And arguably the most iconic bit. I can't believe I actually got through this without saying, "Do I not like that?" Is which well, would I mean, be yeah. the most iconic it's bit. Too obvious. Yeah. Which is when he's talking to the linesman. Yes. About how your friend has got me the sack. Yeah. If yeah. You listen to that clip. You can't say anything. I know you can't say anything. I know that. You see, at the end of the day, I get the sack now. I'm just saying to your colleague, referee's got me the sack. Thank you ever so much for that, won't you? Well, it's passive aggressive, but uh, he's well, understandably so. <laughs> I think it'd be unfair to call you know to really attack him on that. 
that bit kind of speaks volumes once again for how sweet he is. It's a really nice bit where he goes, "I know you can't say anything. I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know you can't which say is anything. kind of like I, know, I don't want to get you in trouble, but you, you've ruined my life. <laughs> it's kind of, that, it, it really is what it is, and it, it's it's really quite a, a quite a moving moment. It in, is. It's kind of he cares. This guy is just like who is, this the whole situation is wells imploding, but even then, in the epicenter of this hell he has the time to say to he's the person, so polite oh, God, i know he's you such can't a say nice anything guy, and like, I, I think if i could ever have a pinch of that in me then i'd be a better man yeah do you think people will be listening to this going you, you got it wrong about graham taylor he's a nasty piece of not work. if they've watched it because i think it's very clear i think we all came to this thinking yeah that it was going to be a different experience to what yes. it was i thought it would be a hilarious romp <laughs> Through, yeah, through, yeah, a like kind a of klutzy manager. <laughs> Having said that, there is a bit in training when he says that he wakes up every night and his pyjamas are wet through. I did like that. <laughs> <laughs> he done a wee wee. <laughs> but he's a very nice man. <laughs> um, yeah, but that bit on the touchline is such a. And the weird thing I thought about that as well is like he knows he's getting the sack now. He mm. knows. Like, mm. And I often think that about managers. Like, are they, yeah. are they that full of self confidence? But go and tell him that. He goes, just tell, just tell him. Tell, you, tell him thank. Tell you, mate. I know you can't say nothing. I know you tell can't. Tell you, mate. Say. Yeah. I can I just before we finish raise one more brilliant bit there's so many brilliant moments because mm. you just see so much more than you ever would there's an amazing moment I think it's after they beat Poland at Wembley mm-hmm. when he stood outside the dressing room kind of like a, a vicar waiting for people to leave uh, the church I know exactly what bit and he's like Les Ferdinand's running down yeah <laughs> and, and Pauline <laughs> says see you next month oh yeah and do you think surely they're going to have a chat in the dressing room aren't they yeah is it in see, in straight on the plane. <laughs> down the top. This is coming off the pitch. Yeah, it's incredible. There's also a really nice moment immediately afterwards where he's waiting for Gascoigne, who's taking ages. And you know that's a walk when you've you've held open a door for someone too early, <laughs> yeah. and you realise they're still about thirty seconds away. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know what to do. But Gaza takes ages. But there's a sweet hugging moment. But yeah, yeah that's really weird. That so, but that, that does make me think whether there was a split in the camp. Possibly I don't know. But it's kind of instances like I'll see you next month feels rather sort of well confident as well because you do have to be selected yeah yes I know Paul Lynch is you know he's a yeah. confident man <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and then we go to San Marino we yeah. need to win by nine goals or something and then we need Holland to drop points in Poland but it, we concede in it's record kind of, time that's a weird thing for Taylor to have to go and do that match yeah knowing All like, is there's lost. part of me that wouldn't still be there at the final whistle of the Holland game if I was yeah. Taylor <laughs> yeah all is lost at this point it reminds me of like maybe like the collapse of the Nazis or the end of Rome you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like where like the, like the infrastructure of this thing is still there but it's all gone yeah. like you know it's over the Russians are at the bunker door yeah, you know that yeah. footage of um, the Iraqi Minister for Information yeah. when he's saying all's good and in the background you can see the kind of <laughs> yeah, the, the looting in the streets, yeah. the tanks. Yeah. But you don't really see the San Marino game. It doesn't really come into no. the documentary. It's a footnote, isn't it? It's a really bleak watch. Yeah. Did you, when you were younger, ever think, if I lived in somewhere like San Marino, I'd definitely get a cap? Yeah. I always slightly resented the fact that I grew up in England and that was the one thing preventing me. Would you want to play? Like, it's got to yes, be demoralising. It's got to be demoralising. What a great life. I run a pub Monday to Friday. <laughs> At the weekends, I play international football. <laughs> there was always a goalie for the Faroe Islands in the 90s who wore a bobble hat. 
really? Yeah. And I, could, I think I'd like I could have been you. That could have been me. Did, did they get paid as well? Like, surely you've got to take time off. It's like jury service or something, isn't it? Like, because no, San Marino FA is not pay the money. Time off from your pub. Hmm. I reckon the extra profile that playing for San Marino would would cover the takings. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would bring people into your pub. A few signed shirts you can stick on the wall as well yeah. For, yeah. if you're playing someone. I'd say every six months I go on the San Marino Wikipedia page to just try and understand what the deal is, and yeah. I still couldn't. I couldn't explain it to you. No. I still don't really understand. Well, they're still wonderfully talented football. I went to see uh, San Marino against Wales in a friendly at uh, the Millennium Stadium years ago. It's just I think it was actually Ryan Giggs' last ever game for Wales, and they're still quality players that's the thing you forget they are they're fit really they're kind yeah, of they're yeah, brilliant like because otherwise they'd lose 50 nil yeah like they understand the offside rule they, they, they're, they're kind of on top of things they know they know what's going on they're fit they're strong and they clearly are, are decent players it's just like semi-pro here but it's a, a rude awakening for what a foolish child I was so that's the end of the documentary I found a quote from Graham Taylor he says I can't watch it I put a little bit of the documentary on my computer recently but I couldn't watch it I said to myself don't watch it, Graham, because for the next week you'll be down. Oh, it must. Really? There's a. a <laughs> so, oh, it's so bleak. It is. There's a, the bit at the start is really interesting because that's obviously filmed afterwards. Because it's one of the only bits where it's like a direct interview, and he says, um, do "People say like you're relieved that you're not mm. going through that again." And he goes, "No, because it's the first time I've ever failed as a yeah. football manager." And the weird thing is, he got Watford really high up. And he got Aston Villa to second, I think. Yeah. I, I don't remember him getting the job, but he must have been the obvious choice. Completely. Well, he'd never won a cup, and he'd never won the league. He'd never played at the highest level for his country. So that was a bit of criticism. Right. But he, he seems like, like, I think, for the FA, when you look at that old board around the table, he was their man, because he was a nice guy. And I think that's what really, even to this day, well, that's what counts for the FA. Well, they've just had a nice guy as well for eight years. So, yeah. yeah. Just a nice guy. It's, it's, it's that, that idea of failure though isn't it when you're an England manager it doesn't work out well you still in the scheme of things you've worked your way up to the very top of your profession yeah. it hasn't worked out at that point but still an incredible thing to have achieved but the sad thing is that's what defines Graham Taylor yeah. now this the, yeah. this documentary yeah. that's his life this is this this is his cross to bear yeah. for eternity completely that two minutes that yeah, two indeed. minutes well no I thought, I thought I've got a little chippier ending here so Elton John credits Graham Taylor with saving his life he said I turn up to the ground at Watford and be told Core Elton what a fucking awful suit that is or Graham Taylor would sit me down and say you're drinking too much I was doing drugs but I never took my habit to the football ground never if I hadn't had Watford I really don't know what would have happened to me that's so nice, we've got it? that's a much nicer it ending. is Graham I Taylor nice guy life saved saved Elton I'm John's just life to end the podcast say the bit about the suit isn't needed in that anecdote <laughs> Also, I'd like to add, I've got a suit for sale. So, um, eBay, it's got stars on it, and I'm looking for £1,000. Yeah. Amazing. Cheers. Tom Crane, thank you very much. much. Yes. Carlton. What was he doing in the fucking box? Didn't we tell him goal in the middle of the pitch? Hey. So there we go, Tom Crane talking Graham Taylor. Full range of emotions there. That was great. I absolutely loved the documentary. It is genuinely a brilliant piece of filmmaking and Graham Taylor comes out of it absolutely brilliant. I know. It's that second viewing, viewing it now. It's such a different interpretation of that era. I've said it once, I'll say it again. The 90s was a great time. (laughs) 
<laughs> what we would give yeah, to have Graham Taylor at the helm now. Exactly. So we've obviously had some amazing feedback. If you want to contribute to it, here's how you can get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. A little clue there, if you're paying attention, you might work out who's our guest next week because they have done some voiceover work. They have done that. <laughs> <laughs> they have made a bit of money through a bit of voiceover work. <laughs> Utility players. Yes. That's what we're in the market for. Do you want to finish with some reviews we've had? Yes, we've had so, some excellent reviews. We, well, it's not just us reading out our good reviews. <laughs> we want to end with... Um, People dropping in 90s references into the iTunes reviews. We'll pick our favourite every week and put them in next week's theme tune. Exactly. So, we've had some excellent reviews. Firstly, great podcast as I listen, as I jog along in my bin bag. And that's from Neville Southall. (laughs) (laughs) I stand by them. I still think it might be them. Um, We also had, Quickly Kevin is funny, insightful and thoroughly entertaining. It's as reliable fun as... Gus Uhlenbeek was reliably pacey at the right-hand side of the Ipswich Town Defence circa 1998. Top stuff. That's from LL Cool Luke. And then lastly, fantastic interviews, a podcast more beautiful than my hair. And that's Darren Peacock. <laughs> Thank so you Michael, very much to all these people amazing. for Favourite, most niche 90s out of that? I am going to go for the second week running, hair-related. I'm going to go for Peacock. Peacock yeah, is in the be. title sequence. If you want your favourite 90s footballer to appear in the title, and the next episode just go to iTunes and leave a review and you've got a, Darren Peacock is the benchmark that we're looking to beat thank you for listening it's been an absolute pleasure see you next week this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com when I went on my last holiday to Cape Town it was amazing my friends were there the weather was phenomenal and most importantly the food was fantastic But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.